Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Anna Dedder from the Comment and Analysis Desk. The shock of the UK's Brexit vote triggered a sell-off of Italy's banks, already vulnerable due to their vast pile of non-performing loans, sending their shares sliding to lose a third of their value in two weeks, say Rachel Sanderson, Alex Barker and Claire Jones. Rome is trying to reform the 3.5 trillion euro industry, but its efforts are complicated by politics, tradition and Brussels. This report is narrated by Rachel. In October 2008... In the days after the UK government took over Royal Bank of Scotland, a group of senior managers at Banca Montepaschi di Siena stood in the office of David Rossi, then head of communications. The downfall of such an important institution would never happen in Italy, they said. Italian banks were prudent, more conservative than their Anglo-Saxon counterparts. They had avoided subprime mortgage lending and derivatives the complex finance instruments that ravaged the balance sheets of US and UK lenders. Crucially, Italy's banks remained rooted in their local communities, giving them balance and ballast. Italians were a population of savers. The hubris of that peaceful autumn day in the Tuscan hills became clear within months. The events that had brought RBS to its knees soon started to Royal Montepaschi, the Siena Bank had picked up an overpriced asset from the breakup of Abian Amro, flipped from Santander, on the cusp of the financial crisis. Montepaschi's €9 billion euro cash acquisition of Anton Veneta, without due diligence, was a deal from which the 544-year-old bank never recovered. But whereas RBS and other institutions have long since been cleaned up, the conundrum of Montepaschi is that its problems persist. Until last month, that is, when the shock of the Brexit vote triggered a sell-off of Italy's banks, already vulnerable due to their vast pile of non-performing loans at €360 billion, Euros, equivalent to a fifth of the country's gross domestic product, bank shares have lost a third of their value in the past two weeks. For the government of Matteo Renzi... Italy's reformist Prime Minister, it could not come at a worse time. Facing a constitutional referendum in October, on which he has risked his political career, Italy's bank crisis is inflaming popular anger at a sluggish economic recovery after a deep, crippling three-year recession. The effect threatens not only Mr Renzi, but also the wider Eurozone. Italy's fight to save its banks, and Mr Renzi's fight to save his job, has turned into the latest confrontation between Italy and the European Union, as the government seeks to avoid nascent bail-in rules which, they argue, would hit tens of thousands of Italian savers invested in the shares and bonds of its banks. Francesco Daveri, an economist at the Catholic University of Piacenza, says 
Montepaschi was a distress bank in 2011 after Anton Veneter was bought at a nonsensical price. Now we have a worse problem, with the distressed loans having increased dramatically in the recession and with EU regulations having changed, we have fewer options to deal with the problem. Alarmingly, though, senior bankers and investors argue the sell-off in shares in Montepaschi and other banks is not just about bad loans. The travails of the bank pose a broader question of how the Italian establishment has ducked the problem of its own banking system for so long. Luigi Zingales, Professor of Entrepreneurship and Finance at Chicago Booth University School of Business, says Brexit was the spark in a place full of gasoline. The issue is not only non-performing loans, he says. There is a lack of credibility of the Italian banks vis-à-vis the market. You cannot minimise problems for years and then be believed. One of Italy's most senior bankers is more blunt. He says, You think you are kicking the can down the road, but suddenly the road turns uphill and the can comes back and hits you in the face. Ironically, Mr Renzi has done more to try to reform Italy's fragmented lenders than any other leader in the past 20 years. He has gone against vested interests to pass laws that converted mutual banks into joint stock companies, a move done with the intention of forcing consolidation in a sector of more than 600 independent lenders. His government has also sought to tackle the judiciary and drive through laws to speed up civil bankruptcy procedures that have abetted the build-up in bad loans. It takes on average eight years for loans to be recovered. Many in the banking industry fear that Renzi measures, though, are too little, too late. The system lacks capital partly because non-performing loans sit on Italian bank books at 40 cents but are valued on the market at around 20 cents. The Bank of Italy has no official data on the capital shortfall but Goldman Sachs analysts argue that in their worst-case scenario Italian banks have a gross capital gap of 38 billion euros. Unfortunately for Mr Renzi, the time to take decisive action is running out. The Italian government could have carried out a major recapitalization between 2008 and 2010, when other banks around Europe and the US were going through a similar process. It could have set up a bad bank in 2012, when the Spanish government did the same, and it had room for other forms of state intervention before the introduction of the EU Bank Resolution and Recovery Directive at the end of 2015. But during all that time, previous Italian leaders and Italian regulators insisted, as those senior managers did back in Monte di Paschi in 2008, that the Italian banking system was sound and did not need any bailout. The measures that have since come into place, most particularly those at the end of 2015, adopted at the behest of Berlin, severely constrain a Eurozone government's ability to rescue a struggling bank. Designed to prevent politically unpopular taxpayer-funded bailouts from being repeated, today it means that no Italian bank can be recapitalised with public money without first forcing huge losses on investors including, in many cases, retail depositors who were sold billions in questionable bank bond investments. The exposure of retail investors to Italian banks represents a threat to Mr Renzi's political survival. Between a half and third of the £60 billion in subordinated bonds issued by the banks are in the hands of 60,000 retail investors, 
They own €5 billion Euros of subordinated debt at Montepaschi alone. Under the new EU banking rules, huge swathes of these investors could lose money as part of the bail-in process before a single euro of public money can be used to rescue a teetering Italian bank. Piercarlo Paduan, the finance minister, has insisted that Italy is continuing to explore all ways to allow public intervention in the banks within state aid rules in order to protect savings. In a country of savers, he could say little else. One person close to the Renzi government maintains that there have already been at least two suicides of retail investors who lost savings. If we bail in subordinated debt, people will not be able to live, this person says. It is not a view shared by European officials who argue that Mr Renzi's predecessors signed up to the bail-in rules and failed to take advantage of creating a bad bank all those years ago before 2012 when state aid rules changed. According to Nicolas Veron of think tank Bruegel in Brussels, there is a temptation to use poor grandpa and grandma as an excuse to bail out wealthy families and other creditors who don't actually need protection, he says. Mr Veron adds, given their slow reaction and anti-EU rhetoric, the Italian authorities should not expect huge special favours. Senior bankers argue that Italy's inaction stems in part from the origins of its banks. The first in Italy was a charitable institution. When lending was prohibited by the Roman Catholic Church, banks were social and political rather than specifically economic, and they have evolved into the country's linchpin, which makes their failure for many unthinkable. It is a point of pride that bank runs do not happen in Italy. Italian banks are also the most significant owners of Italian sovereign debt. The banks are the main source of lending to the country's small and mid-sized companies, which make up 70% of the Italian economy. With their closeness to the community, or through banking foundations, the lenders have close ties with politicians, in some cases the Catholic Church and the media. Montepaschi was traditionally the bank of the centre-left Democrats, Mr Renzi's political party, which has made its restructuring a political nightmare. Against this backdrop, talks between Italy and EU officials on a bailout for its weak banks have stumbled. Bankers say the government is now seeking to buy time, arguing that despite the slide in the share prices, the worst is now over. The shares have found a flaw in their value. And meanwhile, the government continues to argue for invoking a loophole in EU rules to undertake a state-funded recapitalisation and find private funds to buy the worst bad loans without touching the savings of depositors and small retail investors. That was not the case, though, immediately after the Brexit vote, say people familiar with the government's thinking. One senior banker says Mr Renzi was desperately seeking a white knight buyer for Montepaschi in the aftermath of the vote as shares plunged. But the government's reluctance to act has already alarmed analysts as investors remain jittery about Italy's banking sector. Alvaro Serrano and Antonio Reale, analysts at Morgan Stanley, say they are Concerned that a solution that uses public funds might drag on until after the October referendum 
or even be taken off the table amid concerns about how sharing the burden could hit voters in Mr Renzi's home region of Tuscany. Italy needs to recapitalise more than just Montepaschi, say bankers. Analysts estimate Unicredit, Italy's only globally important bank, requires as much as €10 billion Euros of new capital. Small local banks such as Ena and Rimini need hundreds of millions, and it is not clear whether two regional banks in the Veneto, Vicenza and Veneto Banker will also need fresh capital, having already undertaken two issuances of new shares to raise in total €2.5 billion. Euros. There are concerns that none of them, including Unicredit, will be able to raise those funds. In April, Popolari di Vicenza tried to raise €1.5 billion Euros in capital underwritten by Unicredit and found no buyers. The failure threatened not only Popolari di Vicenza, but also Unicredit, forcing Mr Renzi to sponsor a patchwork €4.25 billion Euro rescue fund capitalised by Italy's banks, including Montepaschi, to buy the Vicenza shares and provide Unicredit with a get-out from its underwriting clause. Atlas, the rescue fund, has not just proven too small for the task of shoring up the entire Italian banking system following the share plunge after the Brexit vote, but many fear it has made matters worse, tying the fate of some of Italy's healthier banks, such as Intesa San Paolo, Italy's largest domestic lender and its best capitalised, to that of the system's weakest. Mr Daveri of Piacenza University argues that if the government wants to preserve a fraction of the impetus it has for the reform process, it may be better to make one bold move that can change the picture. Calling on the help of the European Stability Mechanism may be a solution to recapitalise and restructure Italy's banks in one fell swoop, he argues. If Brexit caused a jolt, European officials say that July 29th, when the European Banking Authority publishes its latest stress tests, may well be even more tumultuous. It will be a point of transparency, says one European official, and the first major test since October 2014, when nine Italian banks failed. Montepaschi came bottom then, and senior bankers in Milan expect the Italian groups to perform poorly again, revealing significant capital shortfalls. They fear the tests focus on a snapshot of time when Italy had seen the biggest GDP contraction of any major European country and the bank's non-performing loans were at record highs. Morgan Stanley analysts think Montepaschi could require €2 billion to €6 billion of additional capital. Brussels has told Rome it can go ahead with a recapitalisation after the stress tests as long as it abides by state aid rules and enforces a minimal bail-in, where some junior creditors take a hit. This lighter model would see junior bonds converted to equity and retail investors compensated for mis-selling. Spain took similar measures during its bank restructuring in 2012, generating €13.6 billion in capital through a light bail-in. It came during financial conditions that Brussels regards as more unforgiving than those faced by Italy today. Rome is still resisting, however, insisting any form of creditor burden-sharing is too dangerous to risk in this country of savers.
Industry figures argue that the system still has a structural problem, even if you take out Italy's bad loans. It is overbanked with those 600 independent lenders, and profitability is weak after years of slow and very low economic growth and an environment today of low interest rates. The country has more bank branches than pizzerias, according to a recent report from RBS analysts quoting the Paris-based OECD. This leaves them overburdened with costs as well as bad loans. In order to make the banking system fit for purpose, many tens of thousands of jobs need to be cut and bank branches must be closed. Alberto Gallo of Algebris Investments says, Any aid or injection of capital should come with a restructuring of the system. He argues that consolidation would reduce bank costs and improve the credit channel. Many senior bankers also say Italy requires a massive overhaul in its governance of the banks, which have for too long not partaken in a system of fit and proper appointments amongst its top bankers and board members. Mr Gallo says, The countries that have escaped the crisis and restructured their balance sheets, such as the US or Ireland, have drawn a line between good and bad assets. He says, Italy needs to follow them rather than go the way of Japan and brush it off. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Under the carpet. 